Well, good morning, Westchester. Uh, I um, am very joyful to be a part of this service. Uh, I am honored that I could be a part of this ordination service for Pastor Austin. Um, it's a very, very special day, a significant day in the life of Pastor Austin and Allie and Jesse and Abby and Jack. Um, I see some of the family members are here. So glad you're here, folks. Um, I'm sure there are other family members watching online. Um, this is a significant day in the life of Pastor Austin. Austin, I hope that you look back on this day and that it kind of serves as a marker in your life. You know, it's also a, a very special day in the life of Westchester. And I'll say more about that in just a minute. But today, Pastor Austin will be ordained. Later in the service, articles of ordination are going to be read. And then our elders will come forward and they will place their hands on Austin and pray for him. And in so doing, all of this is designed to set him apart for the work of the ministry. Austin, I'm so proud of you. You know, from the first day that we met, when you and Allie and I sat down in the Applebee's near Iowa City, I've been teased about Applebee's more than anything else, I think. Uh, um, but we sat down together and we shared our hearts and our minds, and we wondered if God was leading us together to minister side by side. And we prayed about that. And then you came and led worship for the search committee, and it was a significant time together, and and then we called you to become a part of our church. And I remember, and I'm sure you do too, and roll your eyes sometimes, all those meetings we had together in each other's office and uh, through the years. And Austin, I'm just so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so grateful that God led you to Westchester that you've been a part of our lives and that we've been able to be a part of your life. And I know that I speak for the church when I say how happy we are for you, how proud we are of you, and how confident we are that God has set you apart for the work of the ministry. I said earlier that today is a significant day in the life of Westchester as well. For you see, ordination is an ancient ceremony. Oh, it maybe looks different and it's changed through the years, but it has been practiced by since the early church. And it has continued down through the ages. What we do today is a continuation of God's work and the divinely established ministry of the gospel in the world. God has chosen to use his church, and he has chosen to use people to proclaim and spread the gospel to all nations, and we are to do that until Jesus returns. And now in that, all of us are charged with sharing our faith and sharing what we know about Jesus, and sharing the gospel with those that are in our lives, in our neighborhoods, at work, wherever. But God has also gifted some and set apart some for the ministry of the gospel. And that's what ordination is all about. And so today, Westchester... We join the long train of prayerful and obedient churches as we set apart Pastor Austin for the pastoral work in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
I hope that all of us see the significance of what is taking place today here in this church. Today I will preach from 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. And so I'm going to ask if you would please open your Bibles to that. From this passage of Scripture, we're going to see three challenges for Pastor Austin, but also three challenges for all of us. Please follow along as I read 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would by your spirit, use your word today in our midst. Lord, I pray that it would have significant meaning for Austin and for all of us, Lord. Lord, we hunger for your word. We know that your spirit must teach us. And so I invite you to move in our midst today according to your word and by your spirit. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. 2 Timothy was the last book that the Apostle Paul uh, wrote that we have recorded and for us. And perhaps he wrote it just days before his martyrdom. In fact, I ended at verse 5, and if we were to go to verse 6 of this passage of Scripture, it says, For I am already being poured out, poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. So these could very well be some of Paul's last written words. And in these last words, he gives a charge to young Timothy. And we will use Paul's charge to Timothy as our charge to you, Pastor Austin, and also as a charge to all of us as we gather here on this special day. And so first, what I want to see from verses 1 and 2 is the charge to preach the word. Preach the word. In these verses, we see the authority of that charge. What does it say in verse 1? I charge you, what, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. This charge to preach the word, you know, you know it's, it's significant that it's coming from our church. You know, it's significant that another pastor is saying that to you, Austin. It's significant that Mark's here from the district, our central district, that you're being ordained in the free church, the evangelical free church of, of America. All of those things are significant. But the authority of this charge is the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. That's significant. We also see in these words the seriousness of the charge. What does it say? Who is to judge the living and the dead. The seriousness of this charge. Preach the word. There's a judge who's watching. The one who's going to judge the living and the dead. In other words, all of us. There's going to be accountability. The one who sees all, the one who knows our hearts, knows our motivations, I know, Austin, you are not taking this lightly, and you dare not. And congregation, we dare not take this lightly. We do this before God, who is the judge of the living and the dead. 
We also see the confidence of the charge. What does it say? And by his appearing and his kingdom, by his Christ appearing, both his, both his first appearing and his second appearing, the one that's yet to come. The confidence of this charge, this Jesus came and he's returning to establish this kingdom of his, this eternal kingdom. So Austin, I say to you, there's a confidence in this charge because you are on the winning side here. This Jesus who came, who gave his life for us, who rose from the dead and then returned to the God of the Father's right hand, is coming again to establish his kingdom once and for all again, for all eternity. And this is the one whose word we preach. Preach the word. Then the verses go on and give, give us a little more. It, it says, be ready in season and out of season. In other words, all the time, whether it's popular or not, preach the word. Whether it is uh, welcomed or not, preach the word. And then Paul uses some uh, descriptive words of how we do that. We reprove. We use the word to convince people of truth when they are thinking wrong. And oh, oh, how we all need that. To be reproved by the word of God. This is aimed at the intellect, our, our intellects, that God's word would help us think correctly and would renew our minds by the preaching of the word. Then the next word, rebuke using the word to speak against sin. And this is aimed at actions. And what we as people who sit in the congregation, as the church will read, is not somebody's opinion. We need God's opinion to know what's right and wrong. And then the word exhort, using the word to encourage those in need of renewed motivation. And this is aimed at the will Preach the word. And then Paul adds with patience. And I'll say more about that later. With patience and with teaching. Austin, preach the word. And Austin, you do this so well already. We have watched you. We have watched you grow and mature in this. You have established fine habits of this already as a young man in ministry. I say to you, Austin, just keep going. Keep preaching the word. Using the word, yes, in your preaching, in your teaching, in your worship leading, in your music, in your counseling, we have watched you do this. And I say to you, well done, and keep going. Now, I'll speak for Austin, I speak for myself and the other pastors of Westchester. Thankfully, this has been a value and a priority here at Westchester. As one of Westchester's previous pastors, I was always so grateful that for the heritage of our church, that our church, the expectation when the pulpit, when people stand behind the pulpit, is that they're going to preach the word. It was what was the norm. It was what the expectation was. Thank you, Westchester. As pastors, we are so grateful for that. And we don't have to convince you of that, that you have held that for years and years and years as a church. May that never change. The message of the pulpit, this pulpit, the one that we are responsible for, must always be a pulpit that preaches the word. Because the Bible is our one source, the never-changing truth. It must alone be our message. 
and for those who preach it, preaching timeless truths in timely ways. Austin, from one on the other side of ministry, uh, remember that preaching isn't about you. Preaching is about the power of God's word. Preaching is about the power of the Holy Spirit to take his revealed word and then reveal it to our hearts. And as preachers, we just do the best we can to help people understand to use the gifts that he's given us to help them understand and that by the Spirit of God they would believe and apply God's truth. And again, as one on the other side of a life of ministry, I will say to you that you will have a love-hate relationship with preaching. It will be the best thing that you ever do it will also be the hardest thing you will ever do. And there will be days when you just wonder what you're doing. And there will be days that you go, why did, Lord, why did I say that? Why didn't I say this? And what was I thinking? And all of these things. But thankfully, the Spirit of God is active when His Word is preached. Austin, preach the Word. Secondly, in verses 3 and 4, the charge continues. And here I would say, guard the gospel. Let me read these verses again. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Sadly, we are watching these verses unfold before our very eyes today. The message of the Bible in general and of the gospel in particular is no longer welcomed by many and sadly by many churches. Austin, continue to do what we have watched you do. Guard the gospel. Stay true to the simple truth of Jesus. Never, never outgrow the gospel. Why not? Because you can't outgrow the gospel. We're only fooling ourselves if we think that there's something more that people need or there's something else that might save people. Guard the gospel. Some of you know that Richard Sibbs is one of my um, favorite authors of history and he lived in the early 1600s, and he wrote this, Christ must be preached wholly and only. Yes, nothing but Christ, or that which leads to Christ. Whatever is done in preaching to humble men, it is to raise them up again in Christ. When men are dejected by the law, we must raise them up again in Christ. Whatever we preach, it must lead to Christ. Guard the gospel. George Whitfield, who, who ministered about 100 years later, was very influential in England and in colonial America, was a big part of the Great Awakening. It's said of George Whitfield that he preached often on the passage. You must be born again. He preached so often on it that he was criticized for it. Finally, one of his critics asked why he used that text so often. And Whitfield's simple reply was, because you must be born again. <laughs> it just comes down to that, right? For us today as well. Sibs in the 1600s. Whitfield in the 1700s, here we are today. We must be born again. We must come to know Jesus. We must guard the gospel because Jesus is the only one who can rescue us. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ is what must be proclaimed and believed on. Austin, you see this passage of scripture that's before us. Romans 1, 16 and 17. I'm going to ask that we would uh, read that together. Let's read that together. This is the Apostle Paul who was entrusted with the gospel, the scriptures tell us. And Paul guarded the gospel and presented it to us exactly how it was given to him. And we are to do the same. Austin, you're entrusted with the gospel. Here's the Apostle Paul. Austin, I'm going to ask if you would stand. I want you to read this. We're all going to read it. Let's read this together. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Amen. Austin, please be seated. Austin, guard the gospel. Refuse to believe the lie that in our post-truth, post-Christian culture, it's too difficult to proclaim Jesus. It's much, much harder today than it ever was any other age. Just refuse to believe that lie. It has always been difficult to proclaim Jesus. Austin refused to make the excuse, oh, that it's so hard to attract seekers to the church. We mustn't offend them when they get here. We must soften the message. We must couch it in some other way. Refuse to follow those excuses and guard the gospel. Hearing during a service like this, this ordination service, it's a service where we proclaim Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way. There's no other way to find sins forgiven. There's no other way to be made right with our Heavenly Father. There's no other way to be saved but through Jesus. That's why a young man would commit his life to guarding this gospel. That's why we proclaim it every week here at Westchester. Do you know this Jesus? It would be a great service for you to determine that you need to receive Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. Talk to Pastor Austin. Talk to someone later. Come to know this Jesus. And then thirdly from this passage of Scripture, there's verse 5. And I would say, be mindful of your character. I think it's so interesting that Paul included this verse here. When he wrote this, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. I believe Paul is talking to Timothy, and we use it today, Austin, as I'm speaking to you, um, how you do things. I think that's what this verse is all about is how you do the things you do, how you preach the word, and how you guard the gospel is also important. It's not just about what we do, it's how we do it. Paul says, be sober-minded. Another translation, level-headed, calm, peaceful. I like to think of this word as being a person in balance. Austin, be a man in balance. Maybe when all the other pastors that you might meet throughout your life, all the other ones might be compromising on this and compromising on that element of Scripture, of the Gospel, you be level-headed. 
and sober-minded. And Austin, I think another application of this is to be a man in balance. And Austin, as you have been, continue to be a faithful minister. But also be a man in balance. A faithful ministry who also understands that you need time to relax. A faithful minister who gives himself to the gospel, but also needs the time to for recreation and to get away. A faithful minister who does his ministry without ever neglecting your family, neglecting Allie or Jesse or Abby or Jack. God has charged you with those responsibilities as well, being sober-minded, a man in balance. And then he, Paul goes on, endure suffering. And it goes back to verse 2 where he said, with complete patience. How you do what you do. Endure suffering. Your job is not an easy one. Your job is a spiritual job. In the midst of spiritual warfare. It is not an easy one. There's going to be suffering along the way. And your job has to do with people. And people are complicated. And ministry is not an easy job. Endure suffering. And then it says, do the work of an evangelist. And I think why Paul adds that there is because all pastors must always consistently call people to Jesus. All ministry is about this. Whether that's a worship leader or a youth pastor or a children's worker or an elder at a church or whatever type of ministry, it's always about calling people to Jesus, doing the work of an evangelist, and then fulfill your ministry do not give up. You know, we have all watched recently, though it is nothing new, the fall of some of, of, of the American church's famous, uh, great, I put in quotes, well-known preachers. Men who have lost their way Men who have neglected the character side of ministry. The how we do things, not just the what we do. I think that's why Paul gave us verse 5. Listen to these words by Alexander Grosser. He writes this, It must be a growing conviction with all who mark the signs of the times that the want of our age in the church as in the world is not more intellect or genius, learning or culture, but more reality of Christian life, more good rather than more great men. Perhaps there never has been a period, speaking generally, of more intellect and intense activity, more learning and diffused culture than the present and certainly never was there an age of such deep interrogation of all problems in all realms of thought and speculation. But these seem often lamentably disassociated from goodness, from conscience, from spiritual integrity and truthfulness, and above all, from true Christian life. I agree with that. And the most interesting thing about that quote to me is that it was written in 1864. And if it was true then, it is even more true today. Oh, the learning of our day, the culture, the understanding. But what we need are truly good men, good women, 
who love Jesus Christ. Christ's likeness is their goal. The fruit of the Spirit is what they reflect. And it's not just about what they do, but how they do it. Austin, pursue this. Alistair Begg, who's a pastor in Cleveland, and was meeting with a number of pastors. And he thoughtfully quoted this verse, and then he said, this verse here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. He said, I increasingly find that verse to be the anchor point for all my days. I wake up on a Monday and say, well, what will I do now? Then I say, well, I think I'll try to keep my head, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all the duties of my ministry. And he goes on, and when I, I am lifted up by a little encouragement, what sometimes comes, I say to myself, well, what shall I do? The answer is keep your head, endure hardship, and so on. And he paused, and then he went on, and, and when the waves beat on me, and I feel just like running away to the hills somewhere, and I ask myself, what should I do? Well, Alistair, just keep your head, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Austin, may today serve as a marker for you. This day, when you are ordained, when you are set apart for ministry, when you have felt a call on your life and the church and the elders have agreed and they will lay hands on you and set you apart for ministry, may this serve as a marker. May this passage of Scripture come back to your memory. And Austin, blessings to you today and every day as you fulfill your ministry, we are excited to watch God work in and through you in the years ahead. Now, congregation, I have some words for you today. Congregation, may these be your expectations of your pastors and leaders. They're recorded for us here that they would preach the word that they would guard the gospel, that they would be mindful of their character. May these be your expectations of your pastors and leaders. Every Sunday when you come to church, when you listen to sermons, when you have the music that we sing together, when we gather in this building May it never be that we would be entertained. That the church would be a place where our old natures would be coddled and pleased. That church would be something that would distract me for one day of the week. And No, that there would be a proclamation of God's truth, that the gospel would clearly be presented by peoples whose characters are good. And secondly, congregation, when you see your pastors and leaders doing this, thank them. Encourage them. It is not an easy thing. And thirdly, congregation, continue in the faith. Today has been a charge for Austin to continue in what he has done so well and to continue doing that through all his years. Dear people, we must continue as well. Continue in the faith. Do you know this Jesus? Are you growing in Jesus? Are you continuing in Jesus? Maybe you're like me. It was, I, I learned about Jesus when I was a young kid. 
Maybe you've known Jesus since you were just a little one. Are you continuing? Young people, as you enter into the next stage of your life, will you continue in the faith? Adults, as the end of life is approaching and, and you're getting tired, we're getting tired, right? And sometimes life gets heavier and heavier as we age. And those simple truths that helped us when, we're young, when we were young, they will help us when we are old. Continue. And how do we do that? I think there's so many different ways, but we must daily remind ourselves of the gospel. We must constantly be abiding in the word, personally and corporately. We must be putting ourselves in places where we will hear the word preached to us and where the spirit of God can move in us and where we can respond with obedience. And we need to stay connected with other believers. Congregation, continue in the faith. Well, I'm going to pray in a moment, and then Mark from our district is going to come and read articles of ordination, and then the elders are going to come and have a time of prayer, laying their hands on him. These are significant events. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. I pray that you would use it in Austin, in all of us. Lord, thank you for the challenge of it. Lord, thank you that through the years, Through the centuries, there have been churches and men and women who have stayed true to the gospel. Father, we want to do our part and continue. Lord, thank you that your spirit is at work in us, thinking that you are maintaining us and preserving us. Lord, thank you for the truth of the gospel that makes all of this possible. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Good morning. I am uh, Mark Ferran. I serve on the Evangelical Free Church Central District team. I'm our uh, regional superintendent up here in the northern part of our district, serving under the leadership of Mike Shields, the district superintendent. Um, and it's a, a joy to be here today. Um, you have a wonderful team of pastors here. It's my joy to, to get to know all of our pastors across the district, and you just have a, a fantastic group of um, guys here who love you and serve you. And every time I talk to Pastor Chuck, he, he highly sings your praises, um, and just know that you are loved by um, the people who are called to serve you. Uh, I'm here today because one of your pastors, Austin, um, has fulfilled all of the, the requirements uh, for ordination in the Evangelical Free Church of America, and that's not just a, a high honor for him, it's a high honor for you as a local church and congregation, because it means that you have pastors who value the Word of God and want to make sure every time that they are up here on Sunday morning or they're in a classroom or they're meeting with you one-on-one, -on -one, that what they say to you and how they teach and how they preach is what the Word of God actually means. They want to make sure that their doctrine lines up with true doctrine. And that's a high honor for you. Make sure that you, you value this and you respect this because, as Dave mentioned, not all churches around the world do this anymore. Not all of them place this high importance on the Word of God. You see, ordination is an important and intentional step to watch over our doctrine and character. 
It's an opportunity for pastors to submit their doctrine, beliefs, and character to the authority of the Evangelical Free Church of America. In doing so, the candidate for ordination has his beliefs and doctrine rigorously evaluated by his peers, as well as by the EFCA Board of Ministerial Standing. It is boldly saying that I want to make sure that I am accurately and faithfully teaching the Word of God. Also, I want to live a life of character. Because of this, I want to open up my life, my character, and my theology to the discerning eyes of other pastors and leaders. Pursuing ordination is willingly giving other people the opportunity to speak into our life, to speak into our character, and to speak into our theology. It is a step of humility that allows us and puts us on the path of growth in in areas where we need to grow. It is also a step of boldness to pursue the calling that God has placed on our life to faithfully teach and preach and live out the Word of God. It is applying the calling of 1 Timothy 4.16, which says, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. At this time, Austin, I'd like to give you a charge and ask you to affirm the following commitments um, at the end of these three questions. These three questions are just intended to, to basically put you on the path of commitment to living out the calling of faithfully teaching and preaching the Word of God and being a man of character and integrity. If you would, come forward, and as I read this, you can affirm um, at the end. Austin, do you commit to living a life of biblical integrity, watching over your character while loving and leading your family in a Christ-like manner? Do you commit to diligently watch over your doctrine, teaching the Word of God accurately and faithfully? And do you commit to loving and leading God's people with a heart of integrity? At this time, we'd like to invite the elders to come up and pray for Austin as they lay hands on him. Thank you, Mark. Um, Yes, if the elders could come up, and then Allie, we'd like to invite you to come up as well. We've got a couple chairs here. I'd also like to ask um, any members of the worship team, if you would like to come forward as well and join us in praying for Austin and Allie, and you as a congregation as well, just where you're at, um, if you'd like to just lift your hands at this time and lay your hands from where you're at onto Austin and Allie as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, gracious Lord, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you for your call on Pastor Austin's life. We thank you for his obedience to that call. We thank you for parents, grandparents, family, friends, teachers, mentors, all of those that you have used to show Austin the gifts that you've given him and to help to equip him for ministry. We pray, Lord, for a sensitive spirit and eyes to see where you're working, to see where there's a need for you, a need for the gospel. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to equip him through your Holy Spirit and through your word to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for protection over his time together, for Austin and Allie, for their family, especially for that time together, for their time with you, that it would be time of renewal and refreshment. Lord, as the body of Christ, we commit him to you and to your service. We commit to praying for him regularly. 
We commit to encouraging him in his ministry. And Lord, we pray that through this, through all of this, that you would be glorified. Heavenly Father, we thank you because we have not called Austin, but you have. And you've called him to us, to this church. We are greatly blessed. We thank you and pray that you would continue to strengthen him, give him endurance, give him wisdom, give him creativity. Use him in our lives, use us in his lives. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified and continue to be glorified in his ministry. Father God, we come to you humbly today. And we thank you for all you have done in Austin and his family's life, guiding them, teaching them, bringing them to salvation. And Father, we thank you because you are sovereign. You are the God who is in control of everything in the whole universe. And God, before the foundation of the earth, before anything was ever created, you knew that Austin and his family would be brought to Des Moines, Iowa to minister to Westchester Church. And we thank you for that. What a gift you have given us. And we will forever be praising you as we approach your throne in prayer. And we do ask, Lord, that you would protect Austin and his family because undoubtedly Satan is going to attack and help us as church members to support them and be in prayer for them. Thank you, Father, for your gift to us. Amen. Don't worry, it's not double sermon day. <laughs> my, my stomach's rumbling too, so. Uh, I feel so honored to stand before you today as an ordained minister in the Free Church. It seems so fitting that over this past year, we've been studying the pastoral epistles together. We've heard a lot of Timothy this morning. I took so much of that study to heart as Paul has given encouragement and exhortation to a young pastor. And in particular, I was thinking about this charge in 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And I stand before you not as someone who has arrived and who has achieved this, but in many ways, I'm just beginning. I'm striving to make this calling sure and ever growing in my ability to handle God's word. Westchester, I want to express my gratitude for what you have meant to me as I've been growing into being a pastor. Uh, just a week ago, I celebrated nine years that I've been here as a pastor, and I will forever be grateful for you calling me to be your worship leader, your worship pastor out of seminary. I was thinking this morning, comparing it to like if I were a dog, I feel like I was adopted as a puppy when I was not yet housebroken and I was <laughs> lacking in discipline. 
And in my youthfulness, I was hot-headed coming in with my fresh seminary knowledge and thinking I had everything figured out. And the charge today is to watch over my life and doctrine. And several members in this church have been instrumental in graciously showing me how much I still had to learn. And even more so, I've been so privileged to see what godly lives look like in every stage of life that I will mimic as I model and as I seek to imitate Christ. So I thank you for helping me to get to this place, for your encouragement, your affirmations, the many great conversations that we've had. Thank you for your patience with me, your gentleness in correction, your willingness to sit under my teaching and preaching and worship leadership. Westchester has been the greatest training ground for ministry. It's filled with so many opportunities to learn and to apply my learning. So I thank you for your approval of me as a worker here, as I continue striving daily to make this calling sure. It sounds like I'm leaving, but I'm not. I'm, I'm looking forward to... <laughs> the, I'm looking forward to the years ahead that we have serving the Lord together. And so may all praise and glory and honor be given to Christ this day. Amen. So with that, I'm going to have the worship team come back up and let's give praise to God together.